The following podcast is brought to you by cdkoffers.com. Use offer code DIESHRING for 3% off everything on the website and Broken Silicon for 25% off all Windows codes. All right, on with the show. Welcome to Broken Silicon, a gaming hardware podcast. I am your host, Tom, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Dan. What's up? Not much. I'm up. I'm upstairs in what's going to be uh, the new studio room in the house I moved into in Nashville. I'm not, I don't know if I'm ready to show it yet. It doesn't really matter. I guess I probably could have showed it if I wanted to. Like, I'm guessing I'm going to do some video this week. Where you're going to see like a half constructed <laughs> studio, <laughs> where not even half, probably third, with boxes all over the place. And you know what? It's good enough though for recording, even if it's not much to look like. I look at. And if I can see directly behind you, it appears that there are about eight sound dampening pads uh, on the desk behind you. Well, I had leftover mounts for pads. Now we were supposed to record last night but to be honest i was running a little late putting the notes together which again the people that go oh you know they just talk for two hours no there's like 10 pages of notes with links and then supporting links to links and write-ups for each article and reader mails categorized to fit between different subjects like it there's a lot of work that goes into this and i i mean i i'm still sore (laughs) <laughs> from unpacking and lifting things for three days straight. And we could have still recorded yesterday if we wanted to, but you had apparently a world-ending headache. Yeah, well, I mean, you know this. And I, I'm, luck- I'm lucky that I, I'm not, like, the worst off, but I have a, a relatively minor migraine problem where, I don't know, once or twice a year I usually get migraines. I'm luckily not one of the people that gets them, like, every month. That would be unbearable. <laughs> But uh, it's still an annoying thing you have to contend with every once in a while. And yeah, I'm sure people in your audience get migraines. And when you have one, you're kind of just out. <laughs> you're you're not going to do anything. Well, the funny, I used to get some headaches when I was younger. But I mean, just something happened. I don't know. In the past 10 years, uh, maybe it's when I started drinking. Maybe that's good for you, Dan. <laughs> Yeah, that, <laughs> that's the that's, takeaway, that's the right? That's we want to put out, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I Just I don't get them anymore. I imagine, though, how often you get them, you just feel it coming on, and you're like, well, great, this will be a fun day. Because it's not yeah. debilitating, right? You don't – they have Well, I, I, I've gotten pretty debilitating ones before. I think you're – this was like five years ago probably. I uh, didn't realize I was out of, like, pain medication – and I felt a migraine coming on, so I was like, "Oh crap! I need to get the groceries to the grocery store to get something." And like halfway back to my apartment, just boom, it hit. And I was like, "Well, I guess I'm driving the rest of the way at about 20 miles per hour, so I can focus." Uh, I'm glad I don't have that. Um, yep. But anyways, uh, we've got it's it's in, been an interesting two weeks to be moving as you could argue it was timed perfectly with 
I, I don't know. There's actually some pretty interesting stories in here, and I've decided to throw some stuff in that I wasn't going to just to make sure it's a good episode. That's the reason we do the news episodes every two weeks is because I don't want to be like, you know, one of those, I don't know, like that I listen to PlayStation or Xbox podcast where I feel like there's some weeks where they just they just don't have anything to talk about. And, yeah. And I think the stuff we talk about is actually there's way more gaming hardware covers all of them, all of the consoles and uh, hardware. But at the same time, not all of the hardware is as interesting. Like, like we're not going to do a story on, I don't know what, like what did PlayStation just enable some thing or like, I think they just yeah. enabled something for some game and uh, <laughs> like I just not interesting enough, but um. Let us get into it then. So we have, let me see here, one correction, you know, as we always go through. Of course, if you support us on Patreon, there is a section for submitting corrections and omissions, and it seems like half of them are from Carbon Cry. This time, 100% are, since there's just one correction this week. So Carbon Cry writes in, and he says, Tom, in the last Broken Silicon, you said that Z won't be a failure like Project Larrabee. Are you thus saying that Xeon Phi was a failure? Or the all-important AVX 512. Larrabee failed so much that tech from it is today the core competitive advantage of Intel's most important products, their server CPUs. Well, to be honest, Carbon Cry, I started looking around when you, I saw this reader mail, and I just mixed up Auburn from, what was this, 1998 with Larrabee. <laughs> like, <laughs> that, but then, yeah, there's actually two failed. GPU, huh. or technically Larrabee's GP, GPU products. So. I, I there wasn't a specific reason. I meant Auburn. This isn't going to be a failure. Where, well, I guess either, right? I guess Larrabee Intel had this whole plan to release something and just never came out, and they used what they learned from it in other stuff. And then there's Auburn, which is actually, you know, we've never really looked at like the Intel 740 from 1998, where they did successfully launch a desktop graphics card. This one's really weird, and that they launched it, it wasn't good enough performance for the price, and they just stopped. That to me, that seems very weird that they just stopped. I wonder if they ran into some other massive bottleneck and they decided to not go forward. I, I don't know. It makes me wonder. I, uh, <laughs> Intel was a pretty big company back then, too. But it's like, I wonder if they're just not um, willing to be as like experimental or put out weird stuff as they would have been in like the 90s if they're worried about it damaging their brand or something like that. Because... I don't know why they wouldn't have gone forward with just this like semi failure of a C GPU and then just not made anything again. You mean with the 740? Yeah. Well, like, well, they did go forward and then they stopped. Oh, what yeah. I don't understand is why they never made the second generation. And yet, of course, they use that IP and integrated graphics after that. Like, so what, what happened? You just put out one product, it fails, but then you're still using the IP and innovating on it, but you don't try to keep scaling it up like you just cut and run i don't know maybe they just ran into something or they just didn't see it as profitable anymore or worthwhile and they just continued to use it for like integrated yeah but I don't know, I, it doesn't make any sense to me like why would you like how much money did that take to launch this all of the stuff that goes into making a discrete version to just go oh never mind like that would be, that would be like, I mean, the, Nvidia still technically puts physics in some of their stupid sponsored games. I mean, 
they, they still use that, and that's almost useless. It's just the popcorn simulator that ruins your performance. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I really don't I don't know what would make them do that. It's like the only thing I can think is that they literally didn't view this as making any money, and I I get that they had to invest a bunch of money at the front end, but you know maybe they just decided to cut their losses. One of my favorite things about PhysX, now that I'm thinking about it, is I remember all these fanboys when Metro, I think Last Light came out, showing that gif of the guy pulling a blanket off of that cart, and the blanket physics looked amazing, and like, this is the power of PhysX, and I'm like, that's there if you turn it off. They're like, what? Well, I said that in Reddit. I I just responded, that's there if you turn off PhysX. They're like, no, but they have cloth physics in the game. I know, but that's not part of it, because it's there if I turn off PhysX, guys. Well, does if so the most turn, impressive cloth in the game wasn't using PhysX. Well, <laughs> if you turn PhysX on, though, did that cloth have some popcorn shoot out of it? It probably had some of those. I mean, and when I say popcorn for everyone listening, I'm talking about in Metro games, these particles when you shot a wall just looked like popcorn. Like they're the lowest red, like literally like popcorn. Like I literally thought they looked like popcorn. And I would say like Metro 2033 and Last Light probably was some of the best use of physics, too, or most subtle use of physics. But I think that's kind of those are almost equivalent statements because physics has to be subtle to look good at all. Because, as you said, everything looks like popcorn with physics. And and it just seems like they never optimized the code for anything moving forward. Like it worked better on their stuff. But then you play Battlefield games where some of them will just have real time destruction and you go. Yeah, so this looks better than PhysX, guys. Well, and, you know, they bought PhysX, and now AMD can't run physics engines anymore, Tom, so it was a worthwhile investment. Yeah, that totally worked out. It, it is frustrating, though. I, I, tons of people yeah, would love an excuse to buy another NVIDIA card if it did something, but it just, it just, it just guys, it just doesn't do anything. You could enable <laughs> PhysX and Borderlands, too, and it worked fine. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Moving on from that, then, uh, Ben Cannon writes in and says, what can you say about Lunar Lake? I know you most likely can't say much, but what could you compare the performance jump or some other or give some other vague answer to that doesn't feel vague? So, yeah, I mean, this was a slow couple of news weeks. I mean, I, I, I honestly almost feel like it wasn't any more than that one episode we did right after the other one, Dan, whatever that was, three episodes ago. Um, So I figured I would answer this more specifically. Now, the first thing I will point out is after I put out that ZDG2 leak, um, we did a a Die Shrink, which is the exclusive podcast every two weeks for patrons. And the subject of that, and they vote on it, of course. uh, And the subject of that one was, answer or ask any questions you want and i will answer them as best i can without revealing things i've figured at this point it's safe though for me to say a little bit more in the public episode so again just a reminder that you can submit your mails and hear all of these episodes if you support us on patreon which is essential to keeping the show going but let's take a second here because i think some people i i put like a teaser right in my ZDG2 leak about the architectures that I know about that are coming out from Intel over to the next five years. And I think yeah. some people got hyped, but I found it really interesting, right? Like every, almost every tech site seemed to cover my ZDG2 leak, but none of them seemed to talk about the Lunar Lake part, which I thought was odd. 
because what I thought I made it pretty clear how big of a deal that's going to be. And if you trust, you know, and like, I'm just being honest, like if you trust that my Z info is good, wouldn't you maybe throw out there the, what the hints I was dropping about how good Lunar Lake would be. And so I want to just be very clear about what I mean. And, and I said this, I was in like a consulting meeting too, where someone asked, can you just give us some idea of like how good the IPC will be? Like, is it going to be like 30% better? And I said, uh, over double. Intel's going to over double IPC by 2025, I think. Over double from what they have now. And I don't know, I thought that was obvious in how I hinted it. I can't say the number. I can't say which architecture. And I can't say the cove or the, well, there's more than just coves now, as I told, as you <laughs> yeah. know, Dan, too. There's a lot going on with, like, how they're going to evolve the architecture, guys. But, like, think double. Think doubling of IPC is what's happening in five years. It is five years. So 2025, that's not... I don't think that's some insane, uh, like, outcome, it, doubling IPC in five years. Like, that's kind of, you know, assuming a non-stagnant market, which we're not in a stagnant market anymore. That's what you kind of would assume. And if Intel wants to continue competing with AMD, they kind of have to do that over the next five years. And, you know, with Alder Lake coming out and act this year probably and actually being a somewhat revolutionary architecture or a big departure from what they've been doing for the past five years. I, I don't think that's some big like, wait, what? They might double IPC in five years? No, I agree. And I want to be clear about something you just said. You just said they kind of have to. I, I, you mean that literally. And, yeah. and I mean that. No, literally Intel has to if they want to make a big d splash. Like I'm looking like I, let's put things in perspective, everybody. These are just rough, you know, let's just call it this much IPC increase uh, things here. But like I'm multiplying Zen 1, Zen plus, Zen 2, and Zen 3, and then Zen 3 plus together. If we go from Zen 1 and then to Zen plus, let's just say it's a 5% increase. Some would say more. I'd probably say maybe 3%, but let's just call it 5%. Let's call it Zen 2, 20%. Let's call it Zen 3, 20%. Again, some things Zen 3 was like 30 Um you know, let's call, and then let's just assume there's a Zen 3 Plus this year, and that's 5% more. That's almost a 60% IPC increase from Zen 1, if there, if Zen 3 Plus is that good. So what is that then? Yeah, so in four years, a 60% increase, and then Zen 4 is probably another 30. Yeah, it's close to double, a little less than double, I guess. AMD is about doubling their IPC in five years as well. That's what happens when you have innovation. And so whether or not Intel does anything, this is what they will be competing with. So th they have to. I mean, outside of saying that, I mean, it's not just IPC, right? It's also, think of a complete evolution of their multi-threading. Some things that are similar to what we heard AMD has been working on, by the way, guys. And, and again, people go, are you, oh, you're saying there could be more than two threads per core. And it's like, yes. Also, AMD's working on that. Those rumors weren't false. They just didn't put it in Zen 3. Like, I'm not saying that to save face. I'm telling you, AMD has prototypes of four-way multi-threading chips. They have them. <laughs> yeah, and this idea of four-way multi-threading or more than four-way multi-threading, it's not some like theoretical thing that might exist like it exists in products already i mean intel and amd haven't sold them but i think like ibm has insane degrees of multi-threading with some of their cpus that they've made and like it, it's a matter of time before four-way multi-threading comes to consumers i don't know 
exact. I, I wouldn't put money on an exact date, but it's no. a matter of time before you, it, consumers get it. Like whether it's Zen 4, Zen 5, or Zen 6, or at the very least, this really wouldn't surprise me if they implement it into some Zen 3 Plus or 4 custom version for a specific customer. Like that would make yeah. a lot of sense to me if they did that. Um, it would have to be one special customer. But again, like <laughs> this has been done before. Stuff like this has been done. So anyways, to answer your question, Ben Cannon, to give you an idea of what to expect, I would say... By 2025, expect Intel to have over-doubled IPC, completely shaken up what they do with multi-threading, and evolve basically their instruction set support as well. Like, this is, and of course, you guys, I mean, you've seen Lakefield. Everyone knows that they're working on, in Ponte Vecchio, stacking multiple dies together. Like, and, and I'm not putting a word, I'm not saying exactly which architectures, because I can't say the names of them. Honestly, I'm not, like, uh, it's too soon. It's years away. Yeah. It's too soon for me to confirm everything going on with their roadmap. But it, there is going to be multiple stepping stones on the way there if things turn out well. And it, and it's, and by around 2025 is when I think we'll look back at what we have now and go, in a similar way to how we look back at like an Ivy Bridge or bolt or pile driver system, like isn't that <laughs> cute? I mean, yeah. Except we'll be, have been getting incremental, well, a little bit more than incremental improvements along the way. So I, I don't know. I think just this from 2017 to like 2025 will be like a near decade of every year things just get substantially better. Yeah, and outside of that. I would just say this. Hey, look, this is what they're working on. I'm sure. That I, and in fact, some of the stuff since that leak I've had confirmed by another source. So I'm sure of this stuff that they're working on it. But we need to wait for Alder Lake and Z to be sure it's going to be good. You know? Yeah. yeah. So I guess what I'll say is I'm not promising you. I'm not promising you Intel's going to dominate everything. Certainly not. And I think people are really, well, and see, this is the problem too. And I talked to, like I said, that consulting call when I said about over doubling IPC and they're like, wow. And it's like, but guys, AMD is probably going to do that too. Like Zen yeah. 4 is a minimum 20% IPC increase. I think probably closer to 30 or more. So with more threads and like, guys, that's just Zen 4. By then, there'll be 5 or 6. <laughs> yeah, and if they keep up 30% IPC increases for 3 years, that's more than a doubling of IPC. <laughs> exactly. So this isn't to say Intel's going to dominate everything, nor is this a promise that what I'm saying they're working on will turn out as well as they want it to. Some of their things have, some of their things haven't. But I am saying they're working on this stuff, and there is potential for some absurd uh, competition between these two companies coming up. But again... We need to watch Alder Lake and Z. If Alder Lake turns out well, especially, of course, in Windows x86, that means they did it. They brought Big Little and scheduled it effectively in Windows when everyone said they couldn't do it. If they manage to do that, and it takes back at least the gaming performance crown without using more energy than Rocket Lake, which I think that's almost impossible at this point, um... That means <laughs> yeah. Intel can do new things. If Z is not, it doesn't need to be excellent, but if Z is at least an okay mid-range card at an aggressive price point, that proves Intel can launch new types of products. You know, so if Alder Lake and Z are a success or even just okay, these are ambitious architectures. This proves that they can do new things, but they haven't proven it yet. Technically, their last product is Rocket Lake, and that's a bucket of shit. 
So until they launch Alder Lake and Z, we should be skeptical is what I'm saying. Yeah. But there is reason to be optimistic. All right. So let us get in to story number two. NVIDIA GTC 2021. I have a little write-up here. Tom and Dan did consider postponing the recording of the last news episode in order to accommodate coverage of GTC, but ultimately, the MLID brothers decided it would not be worth the hassle. There was no evidence this year's GTC would be a big one for gamers. That turned out to be a good call. It was a snoozer if all you care about (laughs) is gaming. However, let's talk about it. It does fall into this news cycle. The most interesting things, at least from Tom's perspective, are the following. NVIDIA's Omniverse cannot be overstated as an important initiative to both maximize the potential of the data NVIDIA is generating from their machine learning and AI initiatives now, and also, honestly, just to justify their sky-high stock price to investors. Um, An insane stock price requires equally insane perceived potential for future gains. And the way they were talking about Omniverse is like they're taking all the data and they're simulating Earth and that they're going to use that for AI simulations within Mm -hmm. a computer to train AI, which we've known about that with like the whole hockey robot thing I've seen before and all of that stuff. But the way they painted it is clearly hinting that in the future we could use this as a real life engine (laughs) right that we have control of which look if they accomplish that that justifies their insane stock price also a30 looks eerily like what tom was told ga 101 was going to be actually i should add a link to that people would be good to remember that i did a minor ga 101 leak that basically to my memory was almost everything or at least some of what copite said uh, Copite Kimmy on Twitter. I He said a few things about GA101, but some of his stuff lined up exactly with what I know it was, which is to say GA101 was like, had a ton of tensor cores and half the CUDA cores of A100. The idea being a specifically tensor-focused TSMC 7 nanometer version of A100 that takes up half the die space in case they just want the tensors. But they never launched it, right? And yeah. I think the reason they never launched it personally is that the A100 might just be a really dense architecture. And so they had to disable it. Because you look at A100, it's really cut down for a 7 nanometer chip. Now, look, it's a giant die, but still, right? And so what A30 is looks like a cut down GA101, except they say it's GA100. So they're like cutting down the die by two thirds, which is interesting. It's like 3,500 cores instead of 8,200. Yeah, because A30, it's literally, uh, I I didn't see if they set a core count, but it's half the compute of A100, isn't it? Um, Or about half, something like that? Yeah, but yeah, well, yeah, about half of what the cut down A100 is, yeah. But with a more tensor cores proportionally, I believe. Yeah, that's pretty cut. (laughs) That's an interesting choice. And again, and it matches what I knew about GA100. 101, I should say. GA101 was a half A100, effectively, that they just never decided to launch because it wasn't worth making two dies at DSMC due to multiple reasons, you know, some being capacity, the yields. But, I mean, so even then, though, A30 looks weird. Like, do they really need to cut it down? Like, so even if you weren't launching GA101 and you're just going to cut it down more, uh, a, a GA100 to make an A30... The fact that it's cut down that much, these must really be some dregs of yields or something. I don't know. <laughs> and I've seen some people say maybe it is GA101. I'm like, mm, it says 100 on their website. I don't think they're just going to go, surprise. 
<laughs> they're, they're just lying to that, us. That's not how this works with investors. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, and then A5000 and 4000 were, fi- were finally launched, which is funny because that, if you'll remember, that was the one thing I said in that recording before GTC is they'll probably launch A5000 and 4000, though, according to the source I talked to, but nothing else seems to be interesting. Well, yeah, you got to have one cool launch, I guess, at GTC. Well, it wasn't in their but... presentation, though. It was, they just launched it on the same oh, day. They just launched it. I mean, I, I I don't know. That's not a huge launch for like uh, that consumers will be excited about, really. Now, uh, the rest of the lineup is this, though. In reality, Grace and NVIDIA's ARM server chip roadmap were easily the biggest news overall. NVIDIA revealed a roadmap outlining ambitious ARM products that they plan to launch with 10x performance over the next few years. So... I mean, did you see anything about Grace then? That, that's definitely what most people were talking about when it comes to GTC. Um, I mean, it, what? It looks like it's, uh, based on what I've seen, it's massively increasing like the uh, communication between the CPU and GPU, or they're predicting, like, they're saying like greater than 900 gigabytes per second, where their current, what is it, the A100 has, uh, or GA100 has, uh, is 64 it's coming out two years from now, and I think this is obviously the big move for why they were buying ARM is so mm-hmm. they could start including these CPUs in uh, their uh, server blades. And with direct control over the design. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, they're already doing that sometimes, but uh, I, I mean, again, this was another thing on a consulting call I was asked about, and I just said, let's see when it's out. You know, again, it's like, they they have a lot of big claims, but I'm telling you what AMD and Intel are working on aren't going to be slouches. I don't know about 10 times performance of today's fastest servers. I need to look into what their benchmark <laughs> is for that. Yeah. And exactly, like, is it just one task? Is it all, you know, like, which task is 10 times? Um, I mean, for, for Christ's sakes, they claim, claim Ampere is double the efficiency of Turing. Yeah, no, it's like 10% more or something. <laughs> So, I mean, it looks interesting, but I don't, a lot of people are making a big deal about it. I just, again, it's like, well, let's wait for it to come out. <laughs> and all yeah, evidence that, is this ain't coming to any gamers anyway, so. And that's always the thing is I think, I think a lot of people, even when it's a cool architecture, cool technology, like, I think people run away with like, well, this will run away with like what it will mean for them. And it's. This is a architect. I mean, this is a product that's really only going to be going to servers. I don't know how much it's really going to directly impact gaming. It probably won't that much, especially PC gaming right now, which ARM just isn't really there yet for yeah. working as well in PC gaming. Although I wouldn't rule that it out as being supported on a lot of engines and working fine in Windows in a few years. Um, yeah, or Nvidia buying Via. Like, that's something again. I've been thinking about. Like, why not? Why not just buy Via for that x86 license? <laughs> um, Oni writes in and says, Tom, I'm finally a patron. Thank you for the content. Well, thank you for supporting us. He goes on, might we have any possible updates on the recent 3080Ti spotted in the wild? Yes, we will. Uh, as it <laughs> seems yes, to just might. be in every... every news episode we do these days. <laughs> Story number three. The RTX 3080 Ti 12 gigabyte seems poised to launch in May, but its price seems up for debate still. 
While Tom has been busy moving into his new house, the rumors about a 3080 Ti launching it may have moved up as well. In short, the GPU we knew existed in some form since before the 3080 launch. The 3080 Ti, which we did, we knew this. this I mean, we've been talking about a 3080 Ti before the 3080 was out. It seems yeah. almost 100% confirmed to be real at this point and launching in May. Well, NVIDIA certainly considered many different die configs. The one they are settling on seems to be only slightly cut down from the 3090 with 10 240 CUDA cores and with just 12 gigabytes of GDR6X. And Moore's Law's Dead's opinion, 12 gigabytes makes the most sense out of everything that was considered. It maximizes performance while utilizing the full 384-bit bus of GA102, ensuring the 3090 appears special, though still with its massive VRM capacity advantage over the 3080. ADTI. Breaking it down here, I did a 20 gigabyte card would have almost certainly diminished the prosumer value in the 3090 while still probably losing to the 6900 XT since 20 gigabytes would mean still utilizing a 320 bit bus. An 11 gigabyte card would likely also still lose to the 6900 XT while gimping on VRAM capacity too much. And a 22 gigabyte card, the only other one that I thought made any sense next to a uh, 12 gigabyte could have made the 3090 look really irrelevant while still again, maybe losing to the 6900 XT because it doesn't have the full bus. NVIDIA made a lineup that skimped on VRAM and consumers don't seem to care. So why should NVIDIA care? 12 gigabytes ensures NVIDIA can match the 6900 XT in performance and price if it costs a thousand dollars. But that's the thing. Tom's hardware claims it will cost 1100. However, after some investigation, Tom cannot find where this $1,100 price tag came from. 7999 yuan converts to $1,230. And video cards states around $1,000. I don't, guys, I don't see any evidence of this where the leak they pulled from IT Home says $1,100. I don't see it. Right. So I don't know if they did a error. Do, like, so let me tell you again. Seven, nine, let me just make sure while we're talking here, everybody. One to USD. Is it that's oh, $1,233? Yeah. So, like, I don't know if they put in the wrong number when converting for an exchange rate or what. I know I've seen um online on places like Reddit, I think I've also seen eleven hundred dollars. So I don't know if there's just some other source that says eleven hundred dollars, or I don't know, they're splitting some difference and just guessing it will be eleven hundred plus or minus a hundred dollars or something like that. I don't know. But $1,100 makes absolutely no sense to me. Like, the 6900 XT is 1000 in theory. And you can't... I mean, I know people have gotten them from their website for 1000 So, you know, AMD actually sells a decent amount of reference cards from their website. That is a real MSRP, even though it's not remotely enough. Uh, uh, not, not even... It's, <laughs> it's... Yeah, it's like probably like 10% of the models being sold, guys. So, no, don't get me wrong. The majority cost way more. Um but like at least on paper, you'd think they'd want to match what the MSRP is, and having an MSRP of eleven hundred is more than the sixty nine hundred XT while having more RAM. I mean, less RAM. So if you're gonna charge more, just make it twelve hundred. Make it the same price as the twenty eighty Ti. Like you clearly don't care, so just make it the yeah. same price as your previous product, and I'm sure people will buy it. Nvidia. So yeah, eleven hundred makes no sense. I couldn't find any reference anywhere. I don't know where eleven hundred comes from. Not saying it won't be, but that just would. I mean, make it a thousand and let the AIBs keep milking everybody in video, or make it twelve hundred. I really don't understand where the uh, eleven hundred comes from. 
And I think I think the smartest price, well, <laughs> I guess I shouldn't say the smartest price, the price that we would all want is a thousand or less. And, you know, it's probably going to be slightly weaker than a 6900 XT with less RAM. So really, if we're looking at it, honestly, I don't know why it would be more than a thousand dollars to begin with. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's just how stupid the market is where uh, AMD, well, I guess it's the first year AMD has had high-end C- GPUs in a few years, arguably. So they're... <laughs> more than a few, so many would argue. I, I yeah, I, I guess you could probably say since the 300 series was the last time they truly had a high-end GPU. Yeah, but you know, you could kind of argue the Vega 64 was like the low-end. High- yeah, was like oh, was kind of high-end. Sure. Yeah, I see what you mean. But I guess this is the first time they've been enthusiast here for probably five plus years. So. You know, they're going to have a, a bit of a more rough of a time by uh, getting back into the good graces of people buying GPUs. So maybe that's why everything for them has to be or the enthusiast here has to be a little bit lower price because people still don't see them as a premium brand. But I'm just saying all things considered, I think a 3080 Ti with 12 gigs of RAM and what is it, 10,240 uh, cores. Yeah. All things considered, that should probably be cheaper than a 6900 <laughs> XT, in my opinion. I mean, let's keep in mind the performance difference between this and the 3080. It's going to be like five percent. Uh, like it's going to be, oh, yeah. it's going to be the same, or I, you know, maybe a nine. It's going to be about the same performance as a 3090 with half the RAM. I mean, you could argue. That's the funny thing is, you could argue it should just cost like. I mean, what if the MSRP is 700 again? And I know the MSRP isn't real. Don't attack me, but we have to use some number. If the MSRP of the 3080 is 700, then I would think you'd make this 900 at most. I mean, it's you're charging 20, like even 800 would seem weird. It, really, you would only buy a 3080 Ti because it has barely enough RAM instead of skimping, which I want to be clear again, the 3070 just doesn't have enough RAM. Like it doesn't, it's not enough. Like it runs out in 1440p in some games, guys. That's ridiculous for a card that is, let me tell you, not a 1080p card. Although I saw some people even try to argue that. And I was like, Jesus, but what everything's a 1080p card now. What are you talking about? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What do you, I can play a 1080p on integrated graphics, like from, Renoir, like, what are we talking about? 1080p is a joke. I don't even know why it's benchmarked, to be honest, anymore. <laughs> but um, anyways, though, I, I mean, that's the funny thing about the 3080 Ti to me, is it's like, really, it's just giving the 3080 enough RAM. <laughs> like, if you ask Yeah, and, and that's what I was going to say. Like, the, I, NVIDIA, every new card they add to the lineup, I, I think... To an extent, no matter what they add, one of the card it's going to make one of the cards look stupid, or the new card is going to look stupid. And I I, I don't know. I, I truly they think price- twelve gigabytes is the least stupid option. Like just accept it. You went with eight and ten gigabytes, so now you got to have twelve. If you go to twenty two, the thirty ninety is pointless. Yeah, and you might and lose I, still, right? <laughs> I, I guess if it's priced at like a thousand dollars. No card looks completely stupid, although, I don't know, the 3090 kind of looks dumb, although it has double the RAM, so I guess people could say, well, it still has double the RAM, so that's worth $500 for 12 gigs of RAM, but <laughs> right. I don't know. Which, again, as we've covered, you know, one of those GDR6X 
uh, chips is like it, it's like it's like seven dollars a gigabyte at most or something. Even with elevated prices, it couldn't be more than eight. Yeah. So <laughs> e- e- even if we talk about the I, I I don't know the artificial inflation, ignoring the artificial inflation of price with RAM, it's like I guess the thirty ninety still has a case there. The thirty eighty. If you're trying to save a little bit of money and still be enthusiasts, you can get that. And here is you're getting a 3090 with 12 gigs, which 12 gigs is probably enough. But I don't know. I, so I guess for $1,000, I think the 3080 Ti looks not stupid. At $1,200, it might look a little dumb, though. Or, But I, I don't know. Well, I would say, is, and I think the pricing and segmentation discussion was the most interesting part of this. I, I, I just keep getting amused at the people who put out a video about 3080 Ti every, every day. Like, I, guys, we've, guys, there's been a 3080 Ti since before launch if they wanted to launch it. It's just a different die config. And uh, the pricing thing was the only thing I found very interesting outside of like, it seems like it really is going to come out in about a month or something. So, yeah, and to, to an extent, I almost feel like, we've been giving it too much error today already because we've talked about the 3080 Ti so many goddamn times. Yeah. (laughs) It's getting dumb. It's like, this seems like it's probably going to be the end configure, end up being the configuration of the 3080 Ti, so we have to talk about it. But how much more can you talk about an alleged card until it actually just comes out? Apparently a lot. You know, the the last thing I will say is, do you have anything to say about, like, the mining restrictions like i saw a lot of people bringing that up but i really have nothing to say i did two videos on the mining thing they both turned out to be a hundred percent correct assumptions that these things will be hacked immediately whenever they want to hack them and that it doesn't stop nvidia from just directly selling the mining cards and that the mining cards will be sold for probably double the price and look at that that just came out that they're selling the mining versions of these cards for like you know seven hundred dollars for what is i think like a 2070 or 2060 so I don't even no, pay attention I, to NVIDIA's mining cards or stuff anymore because let's be honest, guys, like they're just shipping dies directly to miners. Their restrictions aren't stopping anything. Um, but yeah, so the other interesting thing, though, is the 3080 Ti will have more competition. Story number four, higher binned versions of Navi 21 dies confirmed and launched. So let me see. I believe I'm quoting from Tom's hardware. Uh, two newly leaked images suggest that AMD considered building an extreme flagship for its big Navi family featuring a liquid cooling system and called the Radeon RX 6900 XTX. A member of the Chipel forums published two pictures claiming to be the reference design of AMD's Radeon 6900 XTX graphics card. The images were then republished by a Weibo user. The images show a board with a large heatsink with the letter R on its shroud, hiding a water block underneath. But unlike the 6900 XT, of course, it's called the XTX and doesn't have a backplate, and it uses liquid cooling. While AMD has not released a 6900 XTX product yet, it has worked to deliver the dyes that would have gone into it uh, with very high clocks to AIBs. AMD recently started supplying partners with its unlocked and unleashed, and that's in parentheses, Navi 21 XTX H silicon that can boost all the way up to 2.73 gigahertz at stock and has a game clock of about 2.5 gigahertz versus the standard game clock of 2.25 gigahertz of the normal Navi 21 die. So there you go, damn. There's been a lot of talk, you know, in my um navi 22 pricing leak where i got the where i first <laughs> said the price of the 
6700 XT. I also confirmed that there is a higher bin version of Navi 22 and Navi 21, and that Navi 22 is being sold to the AIBs, though, because the AIBs beg them for that, which certain other people said that it was the other way around, which, no, it isn't. Uh, AMD isn't selling these from their store, at least not yet, right? Who knows if they would eventually do it. They always had these higher bin versions of their dies once they finally got the clock speeds crazy high. Uh, and it was AIBs that said, please just give them to us so we can directly price high-end versions of your cards against NVIDIA. And that's what AMD and the AIBs have done. I mean, look, this is clocked over 10% above of the standard 6900 yeah. XT. This, this is a 3090 killer for most games people play. Well, yeah, and with the their boost, it's 20% higher, right? Like. It's well, like, I mean, but you'd have to look up the boost clock of, yeah, I guess that is, I think, yeah, the boost clock was like 2.3. Yeah, I think so. 2.4. For the Sapphire Toxic, yeah. So. I mean, I don't know. It's, I, I think it's kind of a smart move to have like an unofficial XTX that's just made by AIBs like the Toxic Edition. Although the Toxic Edition, it's not as fun <laughs> as what previous Toxic Editions were. Yeah, it doesn't uh, have double the cards. RAM, which is, yeah. I don't know if that's because they just don't think they need it, which could be it, or if that's because AMD doesn't want them making their professional cards look stupid, because there's rumors coming out that AMD's professional mm-hmm. card may only have 16 gigabytes for some reason as well, even though I know there's prototypes with 32. So I don't know if they're just like, yeah, you can't launch a gaming card with more RAM than our professional card or with the same amount. But it is unfortunate. I mean, old toxic editions of cards almost always had double the RAM. They would call it toxic, except for there were a couple 270Xs that just had two gigabytes still. But I think they had a four gigabyte version as well. Yeah, it's it's un- like I remember the 7770 toxic had two gigabytes and performed like a 7850. <laughs> <laughs> Which again, you go, so you're spending like $20 less than a 7850 for a 7770. And you go, yeah, but it's the same performance. So whatever. Comes with an eight pin. In that little card. Um, yeah. And yeah, I don't know. I wish this, and it's annoying that there's two toxic editions, apparently. I don't even understand. Like, I wonder if Sapphire started launching and working on a toxic edition, and then they finally got the go ahead to use the higher bin dies, and they're like, oh, well, I guess this is a toxic again. I, I really don't know what the story behind that might be. <laughs> well, because there were two toxic uh, editions of the 7970, but again, that's because the 7970 gigahertz wasn't out yet. So then they made it oh, gigahertz yeah. toxic. That makes some sense to me. So that's kind of probably what's going on now. But again, really, really annoying that it doesn't have 32 gigabytes. I mean, that would really just be a 3090 destroyer if it did. Yeah, I mean, and they could probably, well... How much is this going to... That would probably sell for the price of a 3090. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think the reason it makes sense that they would do this instead of just releasing it as in a, a reference design, as you know, this sounds like it's going to use a lot of energy, at least the video cards thing. <laughs> Their estimate is less than 430 watts. I don't know. Oh. I, I don't know if oh, that's yeah, realistic been- or not, or if... They think that it will actually Who use knows? 430 I watts, mean, but EVGA released uh, BIOS for one of their cards to let the 3080 run at 480 watts. So you <laughs> might as well just make it five freaking hundred or something, Sapphire. I mean, clearly people have completely lost their minds. So yeah, I'm just saying I don't think you want to release a reference design that uses 400. 
50 watts or something. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think they would need to. I'm guessing even this pushed die wouldn't probably need to use more than 350, 375. They launched the Vega Liquid. But yeah, who knows why? I mean, again, when you look at this prototype, it clearly is a prototype. I don't know if there's any, if we're, we should be sure this will ever come out as a reference card from AMD. Although, again, I wouldn't put it against them. Like, why not? If they can yeah. do it, I, and I wonder what price they would do, probably 1500 you know, which is yeah, a that, little I mean, absurd, yeah, be, but what are you going to do? You know, or maybe 1400 It has less RAM than the 3090, so I think they would probably do like 1350 yeah, or 1400 yeah, Probably just split the difference there somehow. Uh, but yeah, so this is interesting. I mean, this is funny how I, I, this seemed underreported. Like, well, there it is. There's there's the proof, guys. There's the higher bin dies that clock 20% faster. They, they're real. Apparently, they're out. Yeah. Anyways, Metal Shark writes in and says, is Lovelace now 2026 for NVIDIA with Ampere Next taking up the 2022 slot and Ampere Next Next coming out in 2024? Or is Ampere Next 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 simply the new name for Lovelace? Or is Ampere Next 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 now for the low mid-range staying on Samsung and Lovelace coming out in a new architecture? So I'm just going to take this question, Metal Shark, to be what's NVIDIA's next architectures? Mm. Um, I mean, I... I to be honest, everything I see is everything's full steam ahead with Ampere still. So I would just leave it at that. The other rumor was always Hopper. Lovelace has popped up. But you again, right, Volta came out and there was no main Volta gaming card besides yeah. one Titan that was really more of a machine learning card that happened to be better at gaming than the 1080 Ti by like 20% or something. So, I mean, I, I would just say for now, we know Hopper is probably a thing. Especially next to Grace. Now we know they're using Grace for the name yeah. of that. So at the very least, I think Hopper's a professional architecture. If Lovelace is the next thing for a gaming architecture, honestly, I don't think it matters yet. This isn't coming out for like a year, guys. So at least so. And and I would assume there's an Ampere refresh coming. I shouldn't say assume because that, that makes it sound like I'm certain. But... I, I just think the next logical thing to do is see if they can get a hard design of some better Ampere card on TSMC and then dual source the rest of the lineup as like bumped up segments of the Samsung dies. Again, all NVIDIA needs to do is like at the end of this fall, when supply starts catching up with demand, launch a refresh of Ampere that's 20 to 30% better like they did with Fermi and they'll they'll just dominate market share, I think, if AMD doesn't have an answer. And I don't think AMD will have already in A3 Intel. Probably end of quarter one or quarter two, 2022. I mean, if the Lovelace isn't ready for release by the end of 2021 or early 2022, it might just be a better option to, yeah, to do a refresh of Ampere. I, I don't they think didn't you, keep the crown and they clearly thought they would. So if I was NVIDIA, I would be acting. Em- if I was NVIDIA, I would have been planning an Ampere refresh that's better by the end of last year as quickly as possible to get that crown back. Because again, I mean, a 2.7 gigahertz 6900 XT, if this thing comes that out, might- it could really just completely take the crown from NVIDIA by a solid 5, 10%. And then there's nothing they can do about it. Yeah. And I, I guess I don't know when. Uh- there haven't been any like rumblings of an Ampere refresh at this point, have there? Or is this just nothing I would consider as firm as like what would make me put together a leak video? No. Yeah. Okay. But so I, I guess I don't know. We're about four, I guess six months now into this newest generation, and there might be a 
I don't know. We haven't heard anything yet, so it's kind of hard to say what will happen. You don't know, Dan? You don't know. You said, like, I don't know, like, three times. <laughs> to be fair. We... Well, man, say, man say, sometimes say, I say, say I don't time. know. Um, I don't know. Amiable Sheaf writes in and says, is AMD expected to keep pushing rasterization performance in addition to the potentially adding features like FFXSR and a better ray tracing to RDNA 3? Yes. <laughs> I just put an answer on the notes. Yes. Yeah, I mean, look, guys, AMD and NVIDIA are going to keep pushing rasterization, especially AMD, for the next, at least the next couple generations. I think RDNA 3 will bring at least 50% better raster over RDNA 2 for the flagship. I, I I think maybe 60 or more. Maybe, I, I yeah, I wouldn't surprise me if it was like 75%. Well, when would they stop pushing rasterization once... I don't think ever. I think they're always going to push it a little better just by natural enhancements. But I think the I think the better question may have been, will AMD focus primarily on rasterization over other features with RDNA 3? And I think the answer is still probably yes, that it's not about ray tracing right now. It's about raster. And I would expect RDNA 4 will do the same thing. I think the, I think the better, yeah, the better question would be when will they start migrating to this only 10% better per gen just because you expect it to be a little better and doubling of like ray tracing or other you know features instead and i I don't think till rdna5 i could see a generation where in one or two gens where at least ray tracing outpaces rasterization like percentage wise so they get double ray tracing and i don't know maybe only 50 percent more raster yeah that's true so not as much as i thought if that's the question, I, it could be, I don't know, next gen, they might double ray tracing, but only go up 50% with rasterization. Rasterization will still be a, a more important factor when it comes to lighting, but, you know, ray tracing will still be uh, a lot more robust. Yeah, I I think, you know, we, we saturated 1080p. I mean, frick, I, I think we saturated 1080p performance all the way back arguably to the 7970 now granted if you try to run a new game in 1080p with those old cards it doesn't work as well but it typically runs okay actually <laughs> like it's surprising like 1080p was easy a long time ago a 1440p became easy with i mean i don't know i would say maxwell i thought it was pretty damn easy to do 1440p 120 with an overclock 980 ti um and then well, the the ps4 it's gonna run the new resident evil game at 45 900p right something um, like that i think or was it 1080p uh, i i well that's we'll get to that dan we'll, right. we will, i'm just saying. ahead of yourself we have a, we'll, we'll talk about that but yeah i mean any any you know and i think 4k is now saturated with ampere you know and rdna too like when it's uh, like i have a 3070 the 3090 is like a lot like you know 40 50 better than this i it in the games where VRAM isn't an issue, which there's more multiple that are, of course, but in the games where VRAM isn't an issue, the 3070 easily runs 4K 100. Like, come on. Like, yeah. it's not hard, especially if you turn down a couple of useless settings. And usually I don't. I just run full ultra and 4K 100. Like, so I think the question then becomes like, are is are we ever really going to go to 8K? I'm, or is 8K just going to become standard when it's so far in the future that it's just easy to run because it is now? I, I don't know. I, and I think that's the question of rasterization. Like, how much more do we need? I would say we need at least double what we have now for photorealistic games. And then on, add on top of that ray tracing performance. 
But so, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, again, all of that long winded is to say, like, I'm kind of speaking out loud, doing the math of, I think at least two, three more generations of big raster performance increases, the primary metric, at least. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And so by 2025, that's when things really are going to get interesting, I think, in terms of just completely new paradigms and architectures and stuff. Yeah. Or or this weird thing where I'm not sure how much longer these increases in performance are going to matter to that many people if you know, five years from now, 4K is completely saturated. Like For most, it moving, won't. It's already becoming an issue. I've already talked about it, how most a lot of people don't care about going above 1440p. That's not even double 1080p. Yeah, and I think I've said that before. Like, with 8K, I, I don't think a lot of people are going to move on to 8K until, like, it's so cheap and they need a new TV that it just makes sense to get 8K. Yeah, I mean, I, what I would say is, I really can tell the difference in resolution. I think 4K looks obviously better than 1440p. And it's not to say anyone's wrong if they don't think that. It's a lot of that's subjective. I'm just saying, when I look at it, it's obviously better looking in the same way that 1440p is better than 1080p. Like for me, at least, it's it's just obvious. It obviously looks better to me. And I, I've when I see the 5K displays that uh, Apple's had, I go, oh, that obviously looks better than 4K as well. But not as big of a deal, obviously, though, as 1440p to 4K. But I can tell the difference. And I always thought maybe that'd be fun to get to. But honestly, with with good anti-aliasing, 4K looks fine. Like, would I take 5K or 8K if it was only a little more? I would pay a little more, but I just, I just can't see myself paying what you know they're going to charge for 8K monitors soon. Yeah. And if I'm not willing to, I think I'm not most people. I think I like higher resolutions most better more than most people. I just I think that I think yeah, the people worrying about 8K performance, it's really just going to be this novelty thing you see like Tweaktown do out of curiosity and reviews, which I appreciate that. I it, I am curious. But I don't I just I can't see people bothering with 8K over just maxing out 4K for many years. I just like it's not worth it. Like why? Yeah, and I I still haven't seen 8K, but I I, I would I would much rather I I think a far better increase in uh, visual quality would just be getting like HDR 1000 in 4K instead of 8K without it. Yeah. Gosh, Reesey. Why does Windows 10 Professional have to be so expensive? Don't listen to that, nerd. Listen to me. You can get all the great Windows and gaming keys you need at CDK Offers. I have a plan. Go to cdkoffers.com to get all the Windows Professional and Microsoft Office keys you need, and games as well. Add them to your cart, and you can even apply one of them city slicker promotional codes like Dashrink for 3% off software and Broken Silicon for 25% off all Windows codes. I do have an account on this website, and it is ultra easy to use. Just submit your order, use PayPal, credit card, or Bitcoin, and go to Windows website to download Microsoft Professional. One more time, that's go to cdkoffers.com. They're a fantastic sponsor of Moore's Law is Dead. Use offer code DOSHRINK for 3% off everything on the website and Broken Silicon for 25% off all Windows products. Now, back to the show. 
All right, let us move on to story number five. AMD announces the Ryzen 5000 G-Series desktop processors with Radeon graphics for OEM. Quoting from Guru3D, and before you ask, no, AMD did not send samples for review. AMD introduced the Ryzen 5000 G-Series, which is Saison, desktop processors with Radeon graphics for a, as they say, unique combination of features enabling gamers and content creators to do more. AMD announces processors in three series, the 5300G, four cores, eight threads, the 5600G, six cores, 12 threads, and the 5700G, eight cores, 16 threads. The product developed under codename Saison provides Zen 3 and integrated Vega graphics, again, with models that get a TDP of 65 watts and GE variants at 35 watts. This APU series, much like the earlier 4000 series release, will see the products end up on pre-built PCs only, at least for now, which means there will be no retail availability at stores like Newegg anytime soon. And we assured some slides with us that indicate the 5700G will be up to 38% faster in content creation than Renoir, 35% faster in product and 80% faster. Oh, I'm sorry, not compared to Renoir and computing performance compared to the 10700 CPU comment like S. So there it is. It, I did see a note here. AMD looks, uh, although only for OEMs, that they look forward to bringing it to do-it-yourself customers later this year. So that's an interesting tidbit, but I don't see that as overly confirmed. But it sounds like there's a better chance of this coming out than Renoir, which again, I would just remind people, guys, they already had 3,000 series APUs on desktop. I know they were 12 nanometer, but from AMD's perspective, why would we launch this eight core that's got some of the benefits of Zen 3 due to being monolithic but then, you know, like, why would we release yeah. that? Now that Zen 3 is out on desktop, I don't think, I think now they would launch maybe a Saison below it. Um, and uh, yeah, I thought it was weird they compared it to Comet Lake 2, by the way. That's my biggest takeaway. Even though, and this surprise, like, a lot of people are like, why didn't they compare it to Rocket Lake? That's just a slam dunk in comparing efficiency. And it's like, well, Rocket Lake does have better graphics than Comet Lake by about 20%. And, and if, and if you're trying to market this as a, I don't know. Content creation AP, whatever that means. Yeah, I, I guess comparing it to uh, Comet Lake might be a slightly more favorable comparison. And also importantly, I'm not going to speak for all OEMs, but some of the OEMs I've talked to say they basically have zero plans to carry Rocket Lake in their systems, that they just want to order more Comet Lake and not bother with new motherboards. Well... Yeah. Well, no, it's not new. Well, maybe new motherboards, though, because Rock Lake does basically require better ones if it's an OEM system because it needs more power and they skimp on that a little bit in their OEM motherboard. So, yeah, yeah, OEMs don't want to bother with Rocket Lake. They don't see it as any better. They just see it as requiring a bunch of spending to support something that's a side grade to Comet Lake. So, Mm -hmm. it makes sense for AMD to compare Saison to Comet Lake because Saison will be using OEM systems. Oh, yeah, I guess that's true. And I, I, I'm interested to see like what they put these in <laughs> or ha- how much they're adopted because I don't know. I could see like a, a, well, or just this paired with a discrete graphics card would probably be a lot of the systems, but I don't know. I could see some cool like mini desktop or mini PC things being cool with this. Mayhaps, brother. Mayhaps. Mayhaps. Story number six. AMD Van Gogh APU leak, killing Intel Tiger Lake U on a budget. Now, this is the leak that I put out about 
Van Gogh a couple weeks ago. I almost forgot to add this to round out the stories. Um, but so I'll go through the write up for those who didn't see that video. Uh, on April 14th, Moore's Law's Dead confirmed what he can confirm about AMD's so far elusive Tiger Lake U killer. The reason I underline and put what he can confirm, because again, this bickering about who said what first, no attempts there. I'm just telling you that what I now know about Van Gogh, I'm 100% sure on. So what I know is that number one, that it exists. That it that that it's been tested, that it wasn't just a code name, that they did make some of them and test them. Van Gogh is there. People have gotten their hands on them. It wouldn't surprise me if engineering samples show up on eBay at some point. But <laughs> anyways, the summary of AMD Van Gogh, it has four cores, and they are at least mostly based on Zen 2. It has eight compute units of at least RDNA 1. Could be RDNA 2 or some RDNA 1.5. Like I've seen roadmaps that sometimes would show an asterisk after the RNA for Van Gogh, suggesting it's an RDNA 1-2 hybrid. But for now, RDNA 1 or higher is confirmed, which I should have been clear about that in the leak. I said RDNA 2 on that slide. I should have just said RDNA graphics. Um, but anyways, though, and it is aimed clearly squarely at Tiger Lake U in Lakefield with a 9 to 12 watt TDP as standard thermal power estimates right now. And it uses LP DDR5, not quad channel DDR5. This is not a 9 watt quad channel DDR5 chip. It's LP DDR5 and the memory channels work differently on that. It's probably what confused some people looking at leaked code. And all else I can say is that, yeah, there's a lot of evidence this was designed for a specific thin and light form factor for an OEM. I've actually heard about a big Renoir as well that I don't think is ever coming out that I think was specifically designed for Lenovo. But, but again, I don't think it's coming out. This one I don't think was for Lenovo, but well, I don't want to, I'm not going to get into uh, which OEM it is. I think a lot of people can guess which OEM would want a thin and light low power version of a quad core with good graphics. Uh, <laughs> but um, my understanding is the deal fell through and now AMD doesn't know what to do with Van Gogh because it should have been out now. I would say it makes sense since it is RDNA 2 that it might launch after, I mean, or RDNA, some version of RDNA, I should say, that should launch after Saison, but no, it was, I'm pretty sure it was supposed to launch in January. Why, whether it's in the Surface or another laptop, right? And it's just yeah. not there. <laughs> so if you're AMD, and I have heard, I actually heard this yesterday from one of my better, I should say one of my most reliable track record sources who said that basically people are consolidating a lot of their lineups because of how hard it is to get a hold of components. And again, it's not TSMC capacity anymore. It's the power components, stuff that goes into making PCBs, everything. And so if they can just have one design they have to worry about the supply chain of, it's like, is this better than Saison a lot of things if there were no supply constraints? Yes. But is it necessary when you well, have Saison and you're going to launch Rembrandt at the end of this year anyways? I don't know if it's necessary. And especially when this is, I think ideally what this would be for is like, yeah, a, a really thin and light like kind of niche laptop designer you know maybe even a smaller form factor than a, a, a perfect laptop, balance but. of graphics and cpu performance in a small form factor again similar to tiger lake U. it's a tiger lake U killer clearly yeah but you know i think that I, I guess i don't know how popular of a form factor that is and i don't know maybe just uh making products for more conventional form factors would be 
the way to go in light of there being a massive chip shortage that's probably going to go into next year. Well, it's a very popular form factor, but the main form factor it was supposed to go into the deal fell through. So now it's like, oh, well, it was perfect for that one. But can Saison fit in most of these thin and lights anyways if you try? Probably. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the One of the better arguments, I think it was QH Freddy on the Moore's Laws Dead Discord, said that, you know, considering how good yields are at TSMC, I wouldn't want to be cutting anything down to quad cores anyways. So having a Saison in the lineup for that reason is a big one. I think that's really good insight into why they would have designed this as well. In my leak, I kind of said that, but I didn't put it that way. I said, this makes sense to launch a weaker quad core on an older node because they're going to five nanometers. So this will be an older node soon. And just keep Mm -hmm. this quad core with RDNA graphics below a five nanometer APU with RDNA graphics for a long time. Like maybe you don't save that much on die space, but you're also using a cheaper node and it's perfect for low, you know, low end laptops. And it's way better than the low-end Intel laptops. (laughs) You know, so it's both cheaper Uh, than Tiger Lake and a competitor to Tiger Lake in the short term. Uh, But if they can't make it, they can't make it. And and, and I do want to speak on that, too, because the reason that was such good insight from QH Freddy is that, no, like, I've been told, like, Renoir is being cut down way more than it ever needs to. That, like, if they wanted to, most of them could be eight cores, but they're selling, like, a third of them in the supply chain as six cores and that those are mostly just eight cores cut down to six cores to satisfy their contracts that oh they don't yeah. need to cut almost any of them down to six cores and the quad cores you would have a quad core model because there will be some that could be disabled but that it's like not even 10 percent of the yields and yet you see a decent amount of quad core renoirs not as many as six cores like not that many it's definitely the minority of the share between four six and eight but the that they really like they, they don't need to cut down like any to quad cores. So having a van go in their lineup would have really been a cool thing. <laughs> yeah, where they don't need to just arbitrarily, not arbitrarily, but pointlessly disable like, you know, what would that would that be most of their their chips or are most of the Renoir most still of Renoir cores? is it's like I think and I, I don't have it pulled up, guys, but let's just say it's yeah. about 50 50. Well, I don't know. We'll say 45, 45, 6, and 8. And then below both of those is the quad cores. Yeah, so, I mean, it's not ideal to disable an 8 core when you don't have to, but I think having a different production line would probably be more expensive in the long run. I don't know. I mean, I just said it, Dan. I just said I don't know. I don't know. But, I mean, it's an interesting (laughs) product. It definitely exists. I think it really could have been amazing in, I mean, so many things. I mean, really, it could have been in portable gaming handhelds with the eight RDNA compute units. I mean, probably probably using less energy than a Renoir or Saison APU while providing 20% better graphics performance. I mean, this is, you know, I mean, this is where you're starting to get to like truly like PS4-based GPU performance or higher in an APU that uses 9 watts. That would have been, and and again, quad-core Zen 2, that's fine. You know, that will not bottleneck these graphics in almost any game unless you need to stream assets from an SSD repeatedly, which I don't think that's going to be a thing for a while on PC. So I don't know. I, I really think it could have filled so many roles, but none of them are necessary. And when supply is constrained yeah. and the main deal fell through, I just don't know. But that is not to say it won't come out. I, I just know 
Like as one of my sources said, I can't comment on productization. I can't comment on if they're going to give the go-ahead, but it definitely exists and this is what it is. Yeah, and it will be interesting, you know, to see benchmarks if it comes out. But I, I think the most interesting thing is those like ultra small form factors that this could be utilized in more than the chip itself. Um, and, you know, sucks. <laughs> it, it's unfortunate that that probably won't come out. Yeah. Or something like and that. And again, it just makes so much out. sense long term because I'm, I've heard five nanometer yields are as good or better than seven already. So it's like, if that's true, they're not, they don't need to cut any of Rembrandt down yeah. to four cores this makes sense to have below that but there are other interesting apus damn which is the first story in our wrap-up so let us get into it the wrap-up is of course where i didn't do a full write-up and like little stories with reader mails around it but these were things that popped up that i thought were interesting in the past two weeks and the most interesting one i think popped up right before we started recording which is to say amd 4700s Xbox AP without graphics. And I was talking to Carbon Cry about it. As far as I can tell by looking on this, this is almost assuredly the Xbox Series S. Main reason being when I look at the die comparison here on Video Cards' article, it doesn't look rectangular enough to be the Series S or the PS5. Series X or the PS5's die. Mm -hmm. What we know is that there's clearly a repurposed console APU that's heavily cut down in... Some motherboard, the custom motherboard is there. It has the APU on it. It uses GDR6 built onto the motherboard. (laughs) This is like one of the, this is a disabled console. Um, What's interesting is the, yeah, well, yeah, what's what's interesting is that it uh, doesn't have its integrated graphics turned on, which of course is like, wow. But, and I was talking to Carbon Cry, and he said, you know, there could be something with highly dense architectures on TSMC where they have a lot of defects that are almost total losses in parts of the die. And that would explain why A100s cut down so much, because if they have, it's like, they don't need to cut most of them down that much, but there's a proportion that just have horrible defects for a large portion of the die. And maybe that's when they pack a bunch of compute units, relatively speaking, into a small space, maybe that's what this is. I'm almost 100% sure this is Xbox Series S, though. I don't think it's X, yeah. looking at it. I'm looking... Furthermore, there's two memory controllers on both of the Xboxes. Now, so you might go, is that a PS5? And when I look at the die, and it looks too square to be the PS5s. And then it has 16 gigs of RAM. I would assume they don't want to use both memory segments, that they would disable this, you know. And if you look at the Series S, it's 8 plus 2 memory chips. Yeah. So you just disable the small memory controller because you don't need it, right? So that yeah. I'm assuming it's an Xbox Series S with the GPU portion defective and with the secondary segment disabled as well that's what i think this is not 100 sure but that's what i think it is no that's what it looks like to me this is <laughs> even I'm the motherboards curious. are kind of a similar shape yeah I, i'm curious uh because this looks like a what it's a chinese company that's selling this or yeah. i don't know this is just a, a really really weird pc and i'm not sure how or why they got a hold of this oh i'm assuming well they bought it from AMD, I'm assuming, as mm-hmm. or TSMC has defective chips, but I don't know. This is just a really, really strange desktop. Yeah, and then if I look at the performance of it, let's see here. It comes with an RX 550, which is hilarious. The Polaris lives on, damn. 
Um, oh, ours will never die. Never die. And yeah, it's weaker than the 4750G by a decent amount. Okay. Because that's the most interesting thing, too, is I want an IPC test between this yeah. and Zen 2. Because it looks like it's, huh, losing an IPC. It's hard to say, though. You don't know what it's boosting to. Um, and it is clocked lower, but again, it's like, yeah, but how much, how much lower, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> at the base. Yeah. Like, do they keep the same boost and base clocks of the series S? If so, well then of course it performs about that much lower. Yeah. It's probably about the same IPC, which was interesting because there were so many rumors about the next gen consoles having better IPC in their CPU. This would at least suggest the Xboxes isn't, but I don't know. I want to see tests of it. Yeah, I mean, hopefully we will soon. All right, let us move yeah. on to the rest of the wrap-up. So I put this, res- you mentioned it, the Resident Evil 8, or Village, I guess, um, performance on the next-gen consoles. I thought it was really interesting that the PS5 and Xbox Series X are 4K60 for the main mode, which makes sense to me. And then for their... But then for, yeah, then they have 4K45 with ray tracing turned on, which is an interesting compromise. I would agree. And there's, of course, variable refresh rates on the Series X, so that might work without any screen tearing. Supposedly, Sony's going to activate that on the PS5, which I don't know what's going on with them taking so long. But um, I don't know. I thought that was interesting. Like, what do you, I think it's an interesting discussion point. Like, what do you think about, and look at the Series S, 45 yeah there's no 60 hertz mode on the series s no surprise that thing is not very strong yeah uh 1440p 30 with ray tracing this should be i i just wouldn't bother with ray tracing on the series s it looked terrible in watchdogs but maybe it won't look bad in this this is a game where it's probably easier to play at 30 frames too it's not as fast paced then yeah i mean in the series x and then the one X comes with a 4K mode. The Series S has no 4K mode. And guys, that's because the GPU in the one X is a little stronger than the Series S's GPU. Whether you believe me or not, I'm telling you, like I get ready for more games on one X to have only 30 hertz, but a higher resolution than the 30 hertz mode in the Series S. Because the Series S APU, they really should have been clocked a little faster and had all compute a couple more compute units enabled, or I guess another dual compute unit enabled. But I don't know, what do you the think Series about S all this? Is too weak. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think it I think the whole uh 45 FPS as like one of their standards is a bit odd because I don't know, usually that it's either 60 or 30, but I don't know. I guess we'll see. It, I mean, Resident Evil is a more slow-paced game, so if it's a really stable 45 frames per second, maybe that will be good enough. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'll get this game on PS5 and test it and see what I think, because I really am curious. And it, and it is a slower-paced game. I played Resident Evil 7 on playstation before and i think that's 30 hertz it didn't seem like an issue of course the vr mode worked surprisingly very well uh for how much that set costs at this point but yeah i i i would just say so here's the thing i don't know how much harder the resolution is in their engine for all i know they don't gain much more performance lowering resolution on some of it but it doesn't seem to you know i don't know if there's just something going on where they're like nope We've just decided the next-gen consoles run 4K well. 
and that frame rate's easier. But I would think it'd be better to do like checkerboarded 4K at 60 than 4K 45. Like I just don't. I think they're. I think it's an interesting compromise, and they clearly hear people loud and clear to a certain degree, where they're just like, "Oh yeah, we we can't do 30 frames anymore if we can help it." But I think the answer is then, guys, just do checkerboard at 4K at 60. Uh, <laughs> I guess we'll see how the, it turns out. I think, I think for 45 frames per second is easily going to be good enough for a game like this, and you know. If you need that higher frame rate, you can do 60 FPS. Another thing I'll say is they didn't make it clear if it was locked or unlocked 45 frames. Oh, if 45 is the so minimum. Curious, if 45 is I'm the minimum. If it's 45 unlocked. Oh, yeah. I guess so. I would still think you'd want to aim for 50 unlocked or 45 is pushing it a little too low for me. Yeah, and there's that to an extent I actually think I might rather, if it's jumps a lot between 45 and 60 if it's unlocked i almost would rather just have locked 45 so you don't have the variability yeah again that that locked frame rate on the next gen consoles i've experienced i'm like 4k 60 100 locked with perfect frame pacing i think feels like 4k like 80 or 90 and a lot of games on my it, pc it, yeah that's the thing i don't think people real like in- increasing frame rate is a big deal but Consistent frame timings is almost as important, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, that's that story. I thought that was interesting. The rest of the things in the wrap-up, we should probably try to get through them a little quicker here. I mean, Tiger Lake H is out. I'm sorry, H45, the eight-core variants, <laughs> is out. Um, which I don't think we have anything to say about that. That's just, it's out. We've talked about Tiger Lake a lot. Um, Newegg accepts Dogecoin. So that's a good Yay. sign. That definitely shows maturity in uh, the market. <laughs> um, and then, uh, although I have nothing against Doge, it's just like, yeah. I, do they understand like how that like that's money though, and that like someone could probably find a way to like double spend and hack easily with Doge? Like, there's like no dev team working. I, 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 I'm sure there's a dev team now working on Doge. Doge, I take that back. I'm sure it has a dev team again. But you know what I mean, Dan? Like, they understand like yeah. this is not as I mean, I think Doge is doomed to crash any minute, but we'll see. Hey, no financial advice, Dan. Um, well, I wouldn't make that prediction either because I'm pretty sure it's... I bet it goes a little higher, personally. I think I think Doge is going to go double again relative to other altcoins before it crashes, personally. But this is not financial advice. Um, and Apple announces the 2021 iMac. M1, 4.5K to screen. I don't know. Do you have anything to say about that? Oh, I will say this. A lot of people said this is an ugly display. Is this ugly in your opinion? I I actually liked the look of it. I kind of did too. I feel like I'm a little artist in New York with that, which is who they're the selling thing, this to. The one thing I'll say is it's annoying that it isn't <laughs> that because I was curious if you could use this as a, uh, oh. as an, there was like an input for it. So you could use it as which a Which their monitor. old ones had that. Yeah, because if it was, this would almost be worth it for the monitor alone. But <laughs> yeah, that keeps happening. Like, what I will say is someone's making these panels, and they will show up in on eBay from China. Someone will put these in, like, QNX or, uh, oh, God, what's the other one? Yeah, I forgot the names of the other Korean and Chinese monitors that where they just repurpose panels, right? I'm sure, mm-hmm. I'm sure this 4.5K display will show up somewhere. 
And it would probably be a pretty interesting one <laughs> as an option. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, Epic Milan takes all world records, <laughs> of course. Uh, the final wrap-ups here, which I thought were interesting, is Battlefield 6 confirmed. What I've been saying, I've heard it was, by the way. <laughs> Modern, all-out, new features. And the, the biggest surprise is they're going to try to bring a version of it to mobile. Which I don't know that I have much to say about that. That makes sense as long as they don't compromise it. I could see you going like if they could support like 32 player rooms on a phone, just plug it into a TV with a controller. And let me see. I think they might have said that it was a different version of the game. So if it's yeah, I think it is. I would assume so. There's no way they're going all out. Which I've heard 128 players for Battlefield Six. That's not going on a phone, guys. Yeah, I would assume they go to 24 on a phone. Yeah, battle. It's going to be its own separate game on okay. mobile. And then, so. let's see, HDMI 2.1 finally shows up in monitors. My God, they just <laughs> they take forever. And uh, actually, this is an interesting one here. We should probably talk about this for a second. This is just hilarious to me. So, a GTA Online player improved load times by seventy percent by finding a bug. It seems. And yeah. and some people were saying this can't be true. And then Rockstar confirmed later, it's true, and we're going to patch it. And then they paid him $10,000 also. Oh, they did? Yeah. <laughs> uh, this kind of stuff. This isn't the most egregious thing. The most egregious one I heard of was, wasn't it the AI in that Wii Alien game? Wii U Aliens oh. game? Oh, I know what you're talking. There was I don't like I think the there was I know a what you're Wii U about. Aliens game. I think it came to other platforms as well, but I remember it being advertised on Wii U when they revealed it or something. Wait, wasn't that Colonial that? Marines? Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah, Colonial Marines. Yeah, that that had horrifically dumb AI, and people eventually found that they had like a one instead of a zero or something for one of the flags for controlling the AI. And if you change it in the I and I files, the AI is significantly smarter in every level. And they're like, so they just didn't notice the INI file was fucked and never patched it. That uh, and that was on the, yeah that was a PlayStation Windows and three six PS three three sixty and Windows. Okay. So yeah, I think it was eight seven or six or seven years after it came out. Yeah, someone found that in the INI file, it, a piece of code was on a zero when it should have been one. I think, and it was like en- like enemy aggression false is pretty much what it was sent to set to. I think. God. <laughs> I don't think this is as bad as that, but yeah, I mean, the, I mean, again, it's just like, how does that happen? I, how do you play test that and not think, oh, there's something wrong with this game? Which, yeah, I, I think it's going to improve load times on consoles and all platforms too. I remember that about GTA Online. Eventually, it just started having catastrophically long load times. Like it was bad. Yeah, in GTA Six, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe this guy's <laughs> little bug fix will go into GTA. I imagine 6 as it's well. just new code for all that type of stuff to stream. And what <laughs> I've heard is going to be in GTA Six, but we got to talk about that. Like this has happened again. Someone found the bug, just like Colonial Marines, and at least Rockstar is implementing it. Then again, no one bought Colonial Marines, so I'm just saying, if when somebody d- finds something like that, I think the I think these game dev teams need to think, should we should we just hire this guy? That, Bethesda you know? did for the one guy who made that mod. Yeah. I mean, for this, like, the 
This guy solved, I would say, one of the biggest problems GTA Online had, yes. like for the entirety of its existence, like three to four minute load times. That was ridiculous. Yeah, I don't have anything else to say. It's just a funny story. <laughs> yeah. Okay, then let us get to the final reader mails. Daniel Vega Hyde writes in, just like you guys can if you support us on Patreon, and says, I would agree, as discussed in Broken Silicon 96, that the Ice Lake 10 nanometer yields have improved by quite a lot now. I admit it. And this is something I've still had contention with in my own community of like, guys, 10 nanometers is real. But he goes on, I'm now seeing a more, I, I'm also now seeing far more Ice Lake and Tiger Lake laptops available at wholesalers. This includes new models and stock of older models. And yeah, I mean, I just brought this up, you know, uh, because it's, I, I, I want to just make this very clear again, guys, this narrative that 10 nanometer doesn't exist is wrong and has been wrong for like a year. It's been real yeah. for, I could get an ice Lake laptop when ice Lake launched. I could, I don't know what this idea was that you couldn't. The only problem was, it was only the golden samples seemed to be the good ones in ice Lake. And when tiger light came out the next day, there were tons of laptops in the, my local best buy in Peoria, you know, this isn't like the cutting-edge Best Buy. The next day in Peoria, they had a flood of Tiger Lake laptops everywhere of all different types of models. So 10 nanometer is real. They're making 40-core uh, Ice Lake chips. You know, they're getting the full dies out there, guys. This is real. <laughs> yeah. Man, it's 40 cores, by the way. Now 42. People, again, more misreporting. I'm, I'm just going to say, I think that Charlie at Semi-Accurate did fantastic reporting early on on how Intel's 10 nanometer was years away, despite the statements to the contrary. But it just feels like from my perspective, he just turned into a broken record in late 2019 and said, it's never coming out. Even though I was like holding one saying, this is never coming out. I'm holding it like, and it's like, guys, it's real. And I, and I think that some people that read it go, it's never coming out. And it's like, it's out. Been out for like a year. Yeah. Like <laughs> 10 nanometer is real. Okay. <laughs> and, 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 and I don't know, where this perception comes from anymore when you can just pull up Newegg and buy it right now. Like it's real. Yeah. They have 40 cores now, and that's even on their outdated node that's able to yield 40 core full dies that are 660 millimeter squared, super thin in Tiger Lake, and the one in Alder Lake is going to be significantly better yields than that. It's a very real node now, and it will be Intel's pretty much plurality or main node for a year at least, maybe two years. So well, wait, maybe, yeah, maybe two or three years. So this is a real node. And like I said before, they needed to get it working. <laughs> Look yeah. at Rocket Lake, guys. <laughs> um, but that leads us to the next question. QH Freddy writes, and it says, Cooper Lake is now clocking up to 4.3 gigahertz single core boost and 3.8 gigahertz all core for the 28 cores in a 250 watt power envelope. Last gen Cascade Lake was 4 slash 3.3 gigahertz. Okay, so yeah, it's like, a little less than 10% better again. Uh, well, eh, let's just call it 10% overall. Meanwhile, Ice Lake is down to 3.4 gigahertz boost and 3 gigahertz all core on a 270 watt power envelope. These are similar in die size. Right, but one of them has 50% more cores. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, any, but anyways, QH Freddy asks, this makes me think, what really is the state of Intel's pre-Superfin 10 nanometer process? Again, so pre-Superfin, technically I think it was called 10 nanometer plus, and then they just called it 10 nanometer again, if I remember right. Like, because they didn't want to, they wanted to pretend Canon like never existed, but but Ice likes 10 nanometer plus. Um, 
He says, it's clearly good enough for Intel to want to get it to market, but I feel like this is more driven by Intel wanting to get the new platform features out there, not that the CPU itself is performing particularly well. Well, no, look, this is better than Cooper. It has, you're also negating the fact that 10 nanometer allows them to use this architecture that's been crazy underutilized for what they wanted. They wanted like eight core Ice Lake on desktop for gamers in 2018. That didn't pan out though. Like Ice Lake is a far better architecture that performs far better on 10 nanometer than 14 nanometer. Look at Rocket Lake, guys. Like this 40 core, this 40 core processor if it was on 14 nanometer, it would be a f- just a ridiculous die size. Obviously, one too big to go on their wafers. Yeah, and it would use like 500 watts, and but yeah, probably clock a little higher. <laughs> I mean, that's basically the state of their Ice Lake era 10 nanometer process. The way I would say it is, Ice Lake's 10 nanometer is a better, more efficient version of their 14 nanometer if you don't push it hard that also allows far greater density and, you know, improvements in architecture. But if you do push it hard, it's equal to 14 nanometer, just more dense. Like, th- that's about it. Like... Yeah. And, and that's really all there is to say about it. It is a better 14 nanometer if it isn't pushed hard. Far better. Like, double the density and s- less power usage. But if you push it hard... Yeah, not good. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not remembering exactly, but like from the uh, Anantech uh, Ice Lake review, what that 40 core Ice Lake review, they did talk about there were some minor power regressions uh, overall, but it's still a better yeah. overall product. It still you know, is 20% more, IPC, more cores. Almost 50% more cores. It's better. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that, but you know, it's not. And and that's another thing to point out, though. And it's the golden samples of that Ice Lake era 10 nanometer that were always really impressive. Look, and I heard that specifically Microsoft got the best binned versions of the top Ice Lake CPU. And that those just, AMD couldn't, AMD was just 20% worse. But that if you went to the Ice Lake i5s, they were worse than Intel's 14 nanometer i5s often. That's all it is. You know, it's not as... The golden samples are just better than 14 nanometer unless you push them too hard. But there's a lot of variance in the yields. And that and it's I would say it is overall better than 14 nanometer. They just didn't have the yields to make anything for desktop. Kind of similar to Broadwell versus Haswell, basically. Uh, except with more variance and more issues, way more issues. And in terms of that, then I mean the, the next question is then how good is the super thing gonna be? I mean, it's better. It, it's probably equal. It will be equal to TSMC early seven nanometer already right now, I think, if not a little better. And I think like the version of 10 nanometer that goes into Alder Lake should be about as good as N7P or maybe even N6 even. Like really, like maybe not as high clock speeds necessarily, but still good. They'll still probably hit five gigahertz on Alder Lake. And I mean, it's, it's, it's good. But of course, Amy will be on five nanometer, but it's, it's, it's seven nanometer class, I would say. Mm-hmm. There is before it was like, I don't know, call it 10 nan early 10 nanometer class, unless you got a golden sample, and then all of a sudden it's eight nanometer class. But all right. Um, let us move on to the next reader mail. Owl writes in and says, How the Intel Z256 EU could be Intel's best market grab. If this card scales right down, it should easily beat the 1650 Super and maybe even 1660. 
Plus, if Intel is able to get ray tracing in their version of DLSS working on it, so here's how they could easily become the home computer for many families this holiday season. Dad is watching the game and commercials on showing a kid playing Among Us that opens up a word processor. Mom is strolling through their social media and and showing a kid logging out of the school Zoom call at the end of the day to play Minecraft. Kids YouTube commercials. Grandma, yeah. I will say too many short sentences here, man. There's no way I can get through all of this. But he basically says he can see how if Z is at least mid-range, they can market this easily and make a big splash. Um, And, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I really think people are sleeping on how helpful Z could be to the market if it ends up being good. And again, if it ends up being good. We don't know for sure yet, right? It doesn't need to be in the high yeah. end. I mean, and I thought about this while I was putting together the notes. Even in the mid-range, this would force down prices for some, this would put some extra pricing pressure on NVIDIA and AMD's high end. If the if Intel's mid-range cards in professional apps and in encoding blow away AMD's high-end cards, because that's like a major reason yeah. someone would buy Ampere and spend, you know, people, oh, I'm going to spend all this, I see it all the time, I spend this much money on the 3090 because in non-gaming tasks, it works great, it's worth the money for me, it's my job. Well, if in Intel's version only competes with the 3070, or heck, the 3060, but it encodes and renders like an A4000, well, I mean... That's a major yep. component <laughs> to how AMD and NVIDIA price their high on cards is knowing that non-gamers buy them too. Yeah, and that would definitely make a big splash for people <laughs> looking to spend, that can now spend $600 instead of $1,500. Yeah. So again, guys, let's wait to see if it's good, but I think people are sleeping on just how competitive this could be. And how much that will help the market, even if it doesn't directly challenge the high end. It just needs to have a solid price, its own features, and not be integrated graphics performance, basically. <laughs> like, the market <laughs> needs this. Um, Greeny writes in and says, Hi, Tom. Sony has been getting a ton of bad press lately, such as shutting down the Vita PS3 stores. Although, didn't they reverse that all of a sudden? Yep. Yeah, they reversed it by now. No new Kojima game. Well, Allegedly, I don't know. Yeah, that, I think that's bullshit. Kojima's working on game, guys. Uh, in the past, you've said that Sony is keeping quiet about things because they can't keep their new consoles in stock. Do you? Well, I think that's a component to why they don't need to talk as much. I wouldn't say that like they're just choosing to never say anything out of intelligence all the time. <laughs> they probably should be talking more by now. That was months ago. He says, do you think some of the bad news will lead Sony to showing some new games off sooner than expected to gain some goodwill back? Edit, this was asked before Sony announced they wouldn't be closing the PS3 Vita. Yeah, stories. Okay. Um, I mean, and I think some of this is that Jason Schreier reporting. Uh, that was a pretty interesting article. But I, uh, how did I say to you, Dan? I don't think there's deliverables from it. Like, at the end of the day, Ben yeah. still is making their own game. They just messed around with Naughty Dog. And, I mean, I don't know. To directly answer the question you asked, Greeny, does Sony need to now show off new games? I mean, there's rumors Halo may get delayed to 2022. So what games? What is a, I like, do I think Sony has a lot to be concerned about in about a year? I, I do now. I definitely do. Uh, but right now, what we know is Returnal's about to come out, then Deathloop, then Ratchet and Clank, then, what is it, to Horizon, then God of War. So that's five games that could be coming out this year. They could delay two of them and they could just launch... <laughs> If they wanted to, Horizon next to Halo. I uh, yeah, I don't think no. 
I don't think Sony needs to announce a goddamn thing right now because right now Xbox doesn't have any fucking games. And I, I think Sony's getting a lot of scrutiny right now just because they're, you know, well, it sounds the like there was mismanagement. Leader. To be fair, it does. They're, oh, and and I will say I think that Schreier, Jason Schreier article about it, there is something to be said about uh, Sony's management style appears to just be letting Naughty Dog do whatever they want right now at the detriment to other studios, which isn't good. And hopefully that was just like a year of mismanagement, and hopefully they're not allowing that to happen anymore because, like, for some reason, there's an alleged The Last of Us 1 <sighs> remake, and for some reason... Yeah, that was Dog's the dumbest thing I heard. It. If you remake The Last of Us again, like, what are you... But the what I heard, I think it was Colin Moriarty pointed this out. Do you know why they would do that? So they can release it next to the HBO series. Probably, yeah. That That is why they would do that. And once I heard that, I was like, oh, that is why. They want to do a game tie-in. But it's ridiculous. It, it runs fine. It already has like a 4K unlocked 60 mode, I think, or in on the PS4. Like, there's no need for a remaster. <laughs> no, there isn't. I think there's clearly some signs that there was mismanagement uh, in their studios for a while. Hope it, Hopefully they've gotten back on their feet and they're like managing things better now. Um, but yeah, I th- also think some of the bad press is just that they are the market leader, so they're getting a lot of scrutiny where, I don't know, uh, as you say, the Xbox doesn't have any games. Uh, Microsoft owns like 20-something studios, and mm-hmm. I don't know anything that they're making. Exactly. And that new uh, Halo game. And I've communicated to you guys multiple times on Broken Silicon that everything I'm hearing is Xbox's games are just years away. Now, that is a huge problem for Sony in the future. And this story Jason Schreier put out about Sony's mismanagement worries me about Sony in the future. Seriously. Like, if Sony's acting this dumb behind the scenes, look, I don't think Xbox's games are coming anytime soon, but they will come out eventually. Heck, I've heard people joke that (laughs) some of these games they're showing off are really going to be the next-gen Xbox games. Yeah, well, that wouldn't surprise me if, like, uh, what, that new new Bethesda, like game that comes out like elder scroll six who knows maybe that's a oh, i've heard 2023 at the earliest for that yeah, probably ma- four or five maybe it comes out as an exclusive on whatever the xbox what they put out in 2023 or 2024 uh, I, I i don't know like i bet I'll, i bet a lot of those games that come from the zenimax deal I bet a lot of them aren't on the Xbox Series X. The the way I would put it for Sony's situation then is, and again, like you can call me a fanboy if you want, but it's a fact. Halo may be delayed and Sony has like five games announced for this year. They have nothing to worry about. Yeah. However, that MLB the show on Games Pass that Microsoft managed to do is wild that they did that and Sony's just letting this happen or miss that this could happen. And so you're starting to see the rumblings of Sony better be waking up though. That's how I would put yeah. it. To, the direct question was, do they need to announce stuff now? No, right now they don't, but they better be in right now announcing better software upgrades. 
Get backwards compatibility working. For the love of God, that would get them so much goodwill. And again, I keep saying this in my Discord, talking to people like, they don't even need full PS3 backwards compatibility. They could literally just have a team that goes back and remasters like a game every few months and then releases it. Same with PS2. Like just very, very lazy remasters of like, oh, we made sure it works on the emulator. And we have to just yeah. maybe and maybe because the cell processor was so complex that maybe they have an emulator working, but it's not a 100 percent. And so they just go, oh, well, we'll just do like a week, a month of tweaking, you know, back and forth with these um, game yeah. by game. But they could release two PS3 classics and a PS2 classic every month. Give one of them to PlayStation Plus. That'd be huge. That'd be they could argue they're launching two exclusives a month. <laughs> right. But they need to start doing yeah. stuff like that. They need to go, like when you see this Xbox boost thing for backwards compatibility, which I know some people say it doesn't matter. I think it does. That they're going back and making their old games run at 120 hertz and 4K. Sony needs to do that as well. Th that's what Sony needs to do. And they need to figure out what their answer to Game Pass is, which, hello, the answers obviously combine PS Now into PS Plus. Like, PS Plus is wildly yeah. successful. Put PS Now into PS Plus, guys. Yeah, and as far as the backwards compatibility thing, I, I I don't I don't think it's coming. I hope it is, but I don't think it is. Um, I actually kind of give it 50-50, Dan. I think there are some very real rumblings coming out now that they realize they can't just keep screwing around. Well, I hope so. I just don't think they know how to announce it either, that they're going to make it some big announcement. It, when it comes to the games, though, all I will say is this idea, oh, so canceled Kojima. Well, yeah, I don't know that I know. Uh, and it was blue point that was working on that. I reported they're working on Metal Gear solid as well, you know, so yeah. not Kojima. He would just be consulting. What I will say is Sony better buy Kojima studio if Microsoft's thinking of it. Cause this can't happen now that they've lost MLB, the show de facto, they've de facto lost MLB, the show they, they need Kojima. They need to buy Kojima no matter what it costs. Like they need it. And they should try to, shall we say, free the ip within konami that's what sony needs to work on in the short term that and their software i don't think they need to announce any games until the end of this year and then they should though yeah and whether whether or not that's doable is another question but yeah i mean that would be good for them and it would be helpful to the whole industry like again i think sometimes people think about this in a fanboyish way of like what can sony do to fuck microsoft or blah like 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 is that what like that's not fun I don't want anyone yeah. to screw anyone. I want everyone to succeed and have good products. And here's what I know. Konami is ruining all of their gaming IP with Castlevania and Metal Gear Solid. And if Sony bought, who's going to do a better job making Metal Gear Solid games? Konami or Sony? I think Sony. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. if Sony could buy Metal Gear Solid and all of these other Konami things, or at least buy the gaming license to them, right? Probably not the other stuff, because God knows Konami wants those Metal Gear Solid pachinko machines. They could at least liberate, that's the word I was looking for, these IPs for gaming and get Kojima. And that would be good for the industry, because Kojima would have full control over his stuff again and be free of Konami. That would help the industry if Sony did that. So I at least hope they do that just because I'm a gamer and I want good games. Yeah. I think that's about all there is to say about that. We have a few final reader mails here. Benny Berlin writes in and says, what do you guys think about the Chia cryptocurrency, potentially making SSDs way more expensive in the months to come? Apparently, one and two terabyte SSDs are already sold out in China. Dan, I know nothing about this crypto. Did you look it up? The CEO of BitTorrent started a uh, crypto. Oh. Which I think, And it's like a storage coin? 
Well, it's proof of storage or POS. Um, <laughs> Piece of shit. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know, man. It's another shit coin, in my opinion. And I think it's getting hype because the CEO of BitTorrent is launching it. Yeah, just like how many other? Doesn't like Lindsay Lohan or something doing. I think she's just a big into crypto investing now. I don't know. It, I don't think she started. Yeah, and I get all my investing advice from Lindsay Lohan. That's smart. Well, yeah, I get all of mine from her too. But <laughs> but yeah, I mean, honestly, look, Benny, I, I really don't do I. I think, and I think people are missing this. There are shortages on everything right now for everything. For cause, yeah. it's not crypto right now. It's everything else. It's gamers, automatic. Like everyone's building now. People went into hiding last year because something happened that was pretty bad, and it was uncertain times. And now we're getting out of it. And people realized by working remotely, they saved all this money. Now the companies are spending big time, and that's the demand issue right there. Same with gamers, you know. And so it, it, that's what's causing it. I, I I don't have much to say about altcoins. Um, and then Greeny writes in and says that we just have a few crypto questions at the end. So I thought we'd throw them in the BTC having is coming soon. How do you think this will affect Bitcoin? Will more miners start jumping to other coins? Well, no, because Bitcoin's price is four, five, six. What? I don't even know what times what it was a year ago, which again, I have to point that out. Ethereum hasn't even doubled in price from its previous all time yeah. high. Bitcoin is almost three X. Guys, you should have just held Bitcoin and screwed not mess with Ethereum. Um, not to say that won't happen. I, I do actually think all coins might bounce up a bit more in the next month. But I, I, when it comes to the halving, it's just half as much supply is being put out there. But more people are using Bitcoin. And you have to remember those transaction fees that pay for the network as well. Um, I, I don't see miners jumping away from Bitcoin anytime soon. I, they, you know, There's always going to be a large amount of people just mining that because it's the, it's, the well, it's the real one. I was going to say the main one. Yeah. It's the real one. And blokes, of course, then put a picture, a what is what, what would you say this, a cartoon of then Bitcoin hits 1,000. Yes, later, Bitcoin crashes to 10,000. Oh, no. Later still, Bitcoin plummets to just 100K, and it's the cartoon guy killing himself. <laughs> That's how I feel about the whole pricing discussion, too, is it's like, can you believe Bitcoin, like, for example, recently is only 48,000 only? Yeah, it was, what, 10 Six months ago? Yeah, what was it six months ago? Guys, look at it long term. <laughs> no. And the, and the miners, a lot of, at this point, Bitcoin's been around for over a decade. These these long-term Bitcoin miners know what they're doing now. When they see this stuff and the halving, they're just thinking long term. They're like, no, it doesn't phase us because we're just in it for the long haul. Yeah. Whereas the altcoins are doomed to always be about hype because unless you somehow get a time machine, none of them have the staying power of a 12-year-old cryptocurrency <laughs> well yeah it's like you said they have to survive on hype and you know hype only lasts so long so they all inevitably <laughs> fall to the wayside eventually and i don't want to dwell on this too long but like i do want to give one example like of what we're saying here just because a coin is interesting i put parentheses interesting technology does not mean it's a good investment like people keep talking about monero's privacy where it used to be like number 10 now it's number 22 uh, so you shouldn't yeah. have invested in it look if you're going to use it for some transaction that you think no one should know about i guess use monero maybe but 
The fact is, you shouldn't be holding it as an investment. Bitcoin's the gold standard. Everything else is just hype, basically, until you give it 10 years to prove. So if you're willing to wait for 10 years for Cardano or something, okay. But are you really waiting 10 years? You guys know what 10 years ago was? <laughs> 2011. I think Killzone 3 just came out uh, in the 6,000 series. That's how long ago that was, people. <laughs> you yeah. really going to wait 10 years? Or are you just going to put it in the one that has proven it's not going anywhere? But that's my little rant at the end there. just want to say that Jimmy Song, I believe, will be the next guest. Um, so save all those... Save all of these questions for after that episode. It was really, really good. And I saved it for when I was moving. Uh, and looks like it'll be perfect timing with what's going on with the price potential. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know, Dan. That's it. Is there anything else? Anything else you have to say here? Anything else you want to cover? Uh, no, I don't think so. Well, you know, I will just then, of course, as always, say thank you for those who listen, whether in the free feeds. If you're a hitchhiker, we really do appreciate all of our fans. But if you do have the money, consider supporting us on Patreon. Money is pretty tight right now, having uh, finishing moving. And it really, it really is the Patreon that allows me to put food on the table, especially lately. YouTube's just like zero revenue by now. So remember that? that there is a community of many people that love to talk with you on the Discord, that you get early ad-free access to Broken Silicon and other projects every week, and that you also get an exclusive podcast, Die Shrink, every other week where you can submit reader mails for that as well. And you can submit telegrams to ask guests questions like Jimmy Song, like Ian Cutris. So remember, all of that's there if you have the money to support us. Um, and otherwise, thank you to everyone who listened. And uh, yeah. Stay safe out there, everybody. Bye, everybody. The following podcast was brought to you by the YouTube channel and website, Moore's Law is Dead. Moore's Law is Dead and Broken Silicon are trademarks of their creator, Tom. That guy is me, and I am indeed the creator, editor, writer, and showrunner of Moore's Law is Dead podcast, videos, articles, and other media. However, Moore's Law is Dead is a team with Broken Silicon co-hosted by my brother, Dan, audio editing by Gerard Cortez, and select technical editing by Carbon Cry. You can find all of our information, including how to get a hold of us, at www.moreslawsdead.com. And if you are a fan and would like to send mail or other hardware, please mail parcels to Moore's Laws Dead, P.O. Box 10468, Peoria, Illinois, 61612. And speaking of fans, without exaggeration, the patrons are responsible for the continued distribution of the content you just listened to. And so if you have some extra money, but only if you do, please consider supporting us. For just $2 a month, you get access to the exclusive podcast, Die Shrink, voting on subjects of future podcast episodes, the ability to have your questions read aloud on Broken Silicon, Die Shrink, and Loose Ends, and of course, the Moore's Law is Dead Discord, full of like-minded people who would love to meet you. I am one of them. And at higher tiers, you get access to ad-free episodes of Broken Silicon, the back catalog of Flyover States podcast, thanks in the credits of videos and podcasts and other perks as well. And if you cannot afford to support us, please just share Moore's Laws Dead videos and podcasts with friends and family on social media and Reddit. And give Broken Silicon and Flyover States a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. All of this really does help so much more than I think anyone realizes. If you'd like to advertise on the podcast or a person of interest who would like to be a guest, please reach out to the email address mlhbdead at gmail.com. But as I said, this podcast would not be possible without its fans supporting it. And so now it is time to give a personal thanks to the greatest of the fans. The following supporters are at the 10 gigahertz or higher producer levels. 
Brad Bedlin, Telos, GUK, Benny Berlin, Justin Yant, Thomas Rupp, I love you, Lynn and Jim, Ivan K, Tom Bailey, Muhammad Al-Kawari, Frederick Lau, James Crasser, Justin Parrish, Zachary Martin, Terrence Harrod, Drita Full, Phil S, Courtney Elliott, The Ninth Dude, Greg Renegar, Josh Law, JBG, Travis Gooding, The Mechanical Philosopher, Lebo Kinkilo, Fatboy Deezeru, Daniel Hyde, Dammit Logistics, Tara Reed, Jack O'Neill, Matt Salem, Aaron Close, Juan Garcia, Juan Volm, Sean Vollmer, My Name is Nobody, Joel Corre, Alethros, Telos, Hey There's a Kitty, Greg T. Wanchuk, Ivan 214, John Jameson, Benjamin Cannon, Matthew Lane, L, Jan Rauner, Rubber Ducks, Michael McGee, Allie Robertson, Eric Jackson, Jonathan, Patrick Groh, Evan Dingle, Dominique Cox, Stefan, Original Rosshard, Forum.com, Sam McArthur, Total Silo, Sol Connor, Michael Costa, Andrew S., Blake, Aaron Keith, Kerry Baldino, Endless Loggins, Tom San Filippo, Justice Brennan, Viking R., Trevor Power, Stu, Olenia, Nanyan, Daniel Nishwell, Franco Frederick, Dan Galinowski, Alex Karasteel, Dark Rain 2049, Lane Perry, Joseph Kerman, Carlos Valdez, Carnivore Bear, Denovan Russell, Zebra Z Burrs, Licky, Martin Porchegi, David Cowden, Ricky Tan, R- Spencer King, Patrick J.S., Justin Staples, Freddie Canoas Jr., Stephen Coates, Kiwi Phil, DeHuhu, Sarah Light, Anthony Gareffa, Matthew Griffin, Alex, Joseph Loria, Luis Correa, Deke, Cheesy Ramen, Raul Abedeni, Tim Robbins, Jake Dude 23, Brian Riggleman, Samuel, Ryan Daniscu, Dave McCoy, Valco Malev, Gabe Lagner, Rodney, Morton Svensson, Michael Deaton, Thomas Summers, Maurice Courtois, Matthew J. Link, Scott Ruff Schneider, My Sharona, Y. Truey, Roman, Jacob Stankowitz, Hair Rats, Wakir Khan, Eshil Dar Epstein, Stephen Hart, Christopher A. Butler, Greg, Peter Moore, Chris Licata, Justin Thomas, Sam Miller, Sammy Malas, Kevin Chen, Shakir, Nick Rakin, Holden Mobley, Matthew Lazier, Arpit Sharma, Mead and Pork, Jimmy NG, Mads, Beachhorn, Benjamin Oshley, Zijits, Shield TV Couteau, Dane P, John Willinsk, Sam Venzel, Mark Mitchell, Brucha, Jeremy So, James Anderson, and of course, thank you to Sahara for the music.